Hey everybody, welcome to Clear Eyes, Full Hearts, the podcast for the NBC television show Friday Night Lights. I'm your host Blake, coming to you from Oxford, Mississippi, and today we'll be looking at episode 12 of the third season called Underdogs. Um, going to state championship this game they are, and a few other things happening during the episode, but um, state championship being the, I guess, the main focus and the main background for the for the entire show. You heard at the beginning of the podcast, the lead-in was the Panther, Panther, Panther song that was led by Coach Spivey on the bus as the players were headed to Austin. Actually, have an interview today with Aaron Spivey Sorrells, the actor who plays Coach Spivey on the show, and um, a good conversation we had with him on on Friday, and look forward to hearing that later on. So uh, sit back and get ready for that. We'll have a few things we'll talk about that uh, that stood out and have some listener feedback, some a couple of comments, voicemails, and, and emails that we were able to receive. So let's look at underdogs, some things that uh, I thought were kind of prominent there, some things I picked up with reading around on the Internet a bit, and would love to have your feedback on some of these things. Um, one of the things that we were left with last week after a hard rain is going to fall was the McCoy family situation. What was going to happen after Joe McCoy, uh, the tensions and the frustrations that built up, uh, whether they were legitimate or not, and uh, ended up attacking, ended up hitting and uh, abusing his son there in the parking lot at Applebee's after the big game. Um, You saw at the end of the the last episode that we had Katie and J.D. over at the Taylor's home and just not knowing what it was going to do. You know, Katie McCoy was saying he hit my boy. J.D. was saying, I, I hate him. I can't live up to whatever he wants to me, wants me to do. But we opened up this, this episode with, uh, you see the assistant principal talking to Tammy, saying you have to report this, Tammy. You don't know what goes on. And then Tammy and Eric are end up talking, and they're trying to figure out who's going to report this. But they need to report it to Child Protective Services one way or the other because that's, that's legally what they are to do as school employees and knowing that there was an abusive situation happening. And when I, when I first saw this, I was thinking, man, this is, this is going to put a lot of tension on the show. And is child protective services going to come in and, and take JD out of the home, take JD away from uh, his family and mess up the state championship game and, you know, take the quarterback out. And uh, obviously an abusive situation is so much bigger than a football game. But uh, that was where I was thinking that the storyline was going to be headed to. But no, that's not it at all. Uh, it turns out that the, the McCoy family has, has, I guess they've rallied the troops, so to speak. And uh, J.D. and his mom are, are back with their dad and aren't understanding why things would happen like that. Even to the point of where J.D. ends up calling out Coach in his office saying, you turned you turn my dad in, you turned us in, didn't you? Why did you do that? You hate, you hate my dad, you hate us ends up leading to a conflict on the practice field where he says, you know, I play football for you and that's it. I don't know if that's a hint back to where you see that Coach Taylor has actually been a father figure for a lot of his players, especially Smash, uh, Saracen, Riggins, those guys who didn't have a strong father or a father at all around. Um, Jason Street had a dad there, but it seemed like he respected him as a father figure pretty much, um, as much as if not possibly more than his dad. And so that that conflict there now between JD and Coach Taylor ends up pushing its head into the uh, into the state championship game too. And I, I don't know if that's the reason that JD first half has no luck at all, being able to to keep his head in the game. I don't know if he's he's upset about what's happening at home. I don't know if it's his first time in such a huge uh, 
game right there. It's such a huge environment. But J.D. is able to get nothing done at all. Plus, his offensive line isn't blocking for him. But, yeah, he's and he's going off and yelling and screaming at them. But we, I guess we have to remember he's a freshman. And all these other guys uh, on the team, the majority of them, we assume, the ones we know at least, are, are upperclassmen. Uh, but so he's he's lost it there. Um, one of the other things that, you know, it's kind of humorous, the scene towards the very beginning when Lila is needing to go use the bathroom at the Riggins' house, and she's trying to find some way to, to keep it clean on the, on the toilet seat, and she's using coffee filters. And I, I just didn't pick Billy and Tim as coffee drinkers, and if so, I figured they'd use some, some different sort of, you just put the grounds in the cup and, and stir it up sort of deal versus having to go through the process of making coffee. I thought that was, but it was almost made me uncomfortable when, when Billy tried to walk in and then had to go and use the kitchen sink. Um, humorous, yes. A little bit uh, gross, definitely. One of the things I thought was, was funny, but at the same time unrealistic, was Landry. Uh, finally, Lance. Finally getting to uh, it's a little bit of recognition and saying he's going to get to play some special teams and Everybody be proud, and um, he ends up getting uh, drunk at the party the night before they get, they were leaving to go to Austin, and ends up missing the bus the next morning. And even though he missed the bus, and he ended up getting tired to drive him there, he um, was able to still play, and nobody made a big deal about it. I would assume that most any team, if you missed the bus. Um, and you're just a special teams player. You're probably not going to be playing a whole lot. Um, Landry had a good game, though, or had a good moment. He did get knocked on his can, uh, but got up from there and went down and made a key block uh, to spring some, uh, to spring the return and did well with that. The game itself, it was uh, one of those where you're not exactly sure how it's going to go. You know, you watch sports and movies or on television shows, and the big game's coming, and, you know, on one hand, you think, sure, they're going to win. That's the way it always is. On the other hand, you think, well, maybe the writers will try to make the storyline be a little more realistic, and it's not always going to work out. The Panthers are down big, big, big at halftime, 27-0, I think it was. And uh, But then they switch quarterbacks. Saracen comes in. Um, interestingly enough, he had his uh, quarterback shoulder pads with him there somewhere. His quarterback and his wide receiver shoulder pads were different. But he comes in, and the Panthers could do no wrong once he's in. Um, defense plays better. Offense plays better. Uh, he throws, Riggins runs, things like that happen. And all of a sudden, boom, here we are. It's it's 28-27 after Saracen scores a touchdown on a Tim Riggins halfback pass. And so you think, ah, yeah, you know, they, they wrote it like that, and it's going to be one of those where everybody feels good about the big comeback, even though, honestly, it did seem pretty unrealistic to be down 27-0 and come back. But then you notice the time left on the clock, and they're able to drive down the field, South Texas is, and uh, kick a field goal, or set up for a field goal, I mean, and and kick it up, and you don't know which way it's going to go, but it's good. And the Dillon Panthers lose the state championship game. And uh, Riggins and Matt Saracen's last game, it's uh, it ends in a loss. Quite sad, um, especially when you think back to the night before when you saw Riggins and Saracen on the Texas Capitol lawn uh, playing a little game of Frisbee, reminiscing about what's been and, and what's not going to be anymore. Uh, you know, this is our last game, Seven. You hear Riggins say to him. And so there's some sentimentality there. And uh, one of the things that you notice as as people are leaving and getting on the bus and 
about ready to pull off, and so they say, you know, where's Riggins? Should we go looking for him? Coach Slater says, no, we'll, we'll wait just a few more minutes. And you cut to the shot of Riggins in the empty stadium. He's in the end zone. And he walks over, and he, he sets his, his cleats down. He sets his football cleats down in the in the end zone by the by the goalpost. Pauses a second, walks off. When I first saw that, I was like, well, you know, that that's very poignant, honest, honestly, obviously. But uh, what was the significance there? And I ended up reading that a lot of times when a wrestler retires, you'll see him leave his, his wrestling shoes on the mat and saying no more. Uh, Rulon Gardner, one of the great Olympians from, he was a farmer, actually, an Olympic wrestler, did that. Uh, and that was, I think, where a lot of the attention was drawn. And I'm not saying that's exactly what was happening with Riggins there. Is he retiring from football totally? Uh, is he retiring from just saying, realizing that was his last game as a Panther? Or um, was it just some memories? He was wanting to say, I left it all on the field, even my shoes there. Um, another one of the things that seemed to be a big part of this episode was Tyra still trying to get into college. Um, she's on the wait list. She's wanting, She ended up going all the way to Austin to uh, talk with one of the uh, admission counsel, admissions counselors there and uh, realizing that she's one of around maybe 1,000 on the list. But um, she ends up writing her essay and ends up having it. Uh, it was horrible. Landry tells her it's horrible. And so she rewrites it. And it was a pretty you know, big moment. I, I've read across Twitter that a lot of people cried uh, during, that, during that reading of the essay. And it was good. Um, some people said, though, that it may have been better instead of just going with the heart-tugging thing. If Jason Street died and they realized that nothing's guaranteed and bad things even happen to good people and you know, I got to try harder and realize that nothing's promised to me in this life. Um, but some others have said it may have been better if she would have just said here, you know, the, this is the environment I've come from. My sister is a stripper. My mom is a basket case, but I want to make something in my life and, and still be able to be, be someone uh, that my friends, my family can be proud of, that I can actually be proud of myself. You know, which way or the other, we don't know. We'll see next week, hopefully, if she was able to make it into college. Uh, you know, you, you, on one hand, again, it's like the football. You assume that, of course, she'll get in. The writers will have to write that in. That's what's going to make uh, the story complete or the fans happy. But at the same time, you never know. Uh, you never know how things are going to happen there. Um, oh, and uh, Lila also tells her dad not to worry about college anymore after he wasted and squandered her scholarship money. Even though she did get into Vanderbilt and she was so both pumped and hurt by it because she realized she, there's no way she can go to Vanderbilt and pay the tuition there. Um, but she says not to worry, Dad. I'm going to San Antonio State with Tim. We can get a place together there. He can play football, and I'll go to school. And um, you can tell Buddy isn't happy about that, but um, not really much he can say or do right now with how he wasted things there. That's pretty much the uh, – episode at a quick glance uh, those are some things that stood out to me but we'd love for you to be able to uh, to contact us and tell us what you think about that so again just find us on the, on the blog and that is at fnlpodcast.com or you can send us a twitter message at uh, twitter.com slash fnlpodcast and we actually have a new voicemail number uh, one that should be a little bit easier to remember uh, no extension and it is 206-339-5531 Again, 
5531 and you can leave us a, a voicemail there and we'll be able to get that as a part of the podcast upcoming too. And again, you can always email us at fnlpodcast at gmail.com. Now we will go into a little bit of uh, listener feedback. Uh, we actually got our first international comment, I believe, this week. And we'll start off with that with a, a voicemail and then go through some comments and emails. So here is our first voicemail. This is from Wit in, I believe, Columbia. Hey, Blake. It's Wit calling from South America. Just wanted to thank you for the podcast. Podcast, it is rocking. And thank you, too, for the information that um, there are going to be two new seasons. I could not possibly be more excited. And I just wondered that um, if maybe you could check and see if they're casting more cheerleaders or anything for the show, because I really feel like I'd be a great candidate um, to fill in some of those spots. Um, yeah, so that's all. Thanks again so much for the podcast. I'm loving them. You rock. Well, thank you for the compliments. Glad you're enjoying the show down there in South America. And I will do my best to find out about the cheerleading spots. Um, I do actually know that filming is set to begin this summer, I believe July slash August uh, for the new season coming up. And so I don't know if uh, they have any openings for extras uh, for for the cheerleaders there or rally girls either way. Um, I, I think that um, there's always some extra room there for something like that. But uh, again, thanks for the for the comments and compliments for all the way from South America. And on to the comments from the blog. Uh, Unknown Left Guard left a comment saying it was just a little bit cheesy with the X-Men comic standing upright on the nightstand. If you if you notice it towards the beginning of the episode, uh, Tim is in bed. He's getting up, getting ready for school. I believe it is. And there is an X-Men comic book on the nightstand right by the clock. If you're not sure why that was there, why that's kind of curious, is that the new X-Men movie coming out, Wolverine, actually has Taylor Kitsch in it. And so here's Taylor Kitsch in bed right there and the X-Men comic book is right there. Unknown Love Card says uh, here it was sitting up right on the nightstand and then it totally is gone when they cut to the close-up of Tim knocking the clock off the stand. Uh, but Unknown Love Card said it was still a great episode. G says that uh, she hopes that J.D. McCoy has to go to therapy for attacking uh, J.D. how he did. Uh, he took it way too far. The meltdown was a combination of factors but the family... The meltdown was a combination of factors, but the family matter was the launch pad and a large part of the cause of, of the meltdown that happened with JD in, in the game. Um, he, G says that uh, G says that she likes the character of Landry. Uh, she's just kind of thinks that he's he's got a pretty good head on his shoulders. She does think that Tyler cries a little bit too much and that Lila seems to gripe a little bit too much. Go figure. Uh, is Tim finished with football? Uh, she says that she saw it coming. And so she's, I guess, pitching a, a prediction there that Tim is done. She supposes that they had to lose the championship game that the Panthers did for the future storylines. Uh, possibly, possibly they thought it was a surprise ending. And I think we said that before that you never know what to expect now because before they always won, whatever the, whoever the sports team was. After that, now you start seeing some writers throw in the possibilities of, of them losing. Um, and even... Now you you don't know where they're coming from now, so maybe it was a surprise ending. And then Chris, he ends up uh, commenting again this week, and he says that the beauty of the show is that the characters are cut across all levels, the popular and not so popular. Uh, the high school is filled with both of them, and it's true. I think all of our high schools would say that. He says kudos for Landry simply being there. Uh, the game was a little far-fetched with the second-half comeback. 
that would rival anything seen anywhere in football, but that the feeling that the viewers are supposed to be left with is that J.D.'s emotions got the best of him and that his troubles with his dad were what caused the first half meltdown. He wouldn't analyze so much. He says he wouldn't analyze that too much to death, though, because the whole episode worked on so many levels. The saddest realization for Chris is that many of the characters that we know and love will need to move on next year. How will they write the departures is the key. Uh, He's very pleased with how they similarly dealt with the departures of the other kids this season. They didn't just refer to them in the past tense, but they allowed them some time uh, on the early episodes so that they could get proper send-offs. He said that's quality writing and casting right there. And I have to agree with Chris. I really enjoyed uh, seeing Smash and seeing Street have their episodes where they're able to work up their storyline and, and have some closure there. But um, as much as I like that, as we gotten closer to the end of the season and now we have one more episode left, I kind of hated to, that we didn't have more opportunity to spend on the characters that were still there uh, in, in high school, still there on the team, still there involved with the team and what's going on. Um, I think that, though, the writers are kind of hamstrung with only 13 episodes to do that. You know, if they'd had the full 22, 24 episodes as they had, the first season, and we're intending to have second season. I thought that would have fit very well, but I think that so they're trying to pack so much into into a very small frame of of opportunity there with uh, only about half of what they would like to be able to write, and that's what's going to happen too with these next two seasons, seasons four, seasons five, where it's only thirteen episodes. But knowing that going in, uh, I remember reading when Jason Cadams said that he likes that, but I, I still would think that he would like to have a full twenty-two episodes. With that too. Um, oh, and before we get to the interview with Coach Spivey, I was watching Lost this past week, and I started thinking, hey, there's Matt Saracen's mom. There's Shelby. And uh, as she was playing Cassidy on Lost, uh, someone who had had a relationship with Sawyer, and I think both Lost and Friday Night Lights are my two top shows that I, that I try to keep up with, and both of them I have a little bit of bleed over a few times. Uh, Matt Saracen's dad was actually played by the same guy who played Goodwin on Lost. And a few weeks back, we saw that the actor playing Herc was actually on Lost as well. He was in one of the stations at the very beginning of the episode, uh, flirting and starting to have a dance with one of the girls there and uh, got called off of it pretty quickly because there was a security breach and LaFleur had to be called off. Anyway, enough about Lost. A great, great, great show. Um, new episode coming up this week that I encourage you to check out if you're not. Um, but now here we go with the, with an interview with Aaron Spivey Sorrells. Uh, he is an actor who uh, actually played some college football, actually played some uh, arena football, and you'll hear a little bit about that. Um, but he gives a lot of great insights. And we thank you for being able to be with us, Coach, Coach Spivey. Um, anyway, here it is. Here's the interview with Coach Spivey. And today we have with us Aaron Spivey Sorrells, who plays Coach Spivey on Friday Night Lights. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. How's everybody else doing? I think, I think everybody's everybody else good. Doing fine? Yeah, I think everybody's ready for the weekend. So, uh, yeah, that's awesome. So um, I, I was looking at your at your bio online. It says that you've actually been in all three seasons of Friday Night Lights so far. Is that right? That is correct. Uh, the first season, I called it like paying my dues uh, because I really – I really didn't have that many lines. Uh, I got paid for it, but I didn't really have that many lines. But uh, my uh, coming out uh, episode is when Mac McGill had his uh, racist slip up in his, uh, you know, right. in his media day when he interviewed with the uh, the reporters, and I was the guy they called him. So I guess that was one of my breakout uh, 
moments of Friday Night Lights, even though I was there since the second episode. So, you know, that was that was my thing. I was there from the first season all the way to the third and and uh hopefully be there for the fourth. I hear you, I hear you. Tell me tell me how you're able to keep your, your actual real life name as your character's name as well. Well that's that's funny. Uh well, during the first season, uh Kyle Chandler, he likes to take uh you know, opinions from everybody that was around real football. And I played professional football, uh I played arena football and I played some college football. So he always wanted the, the nice lingos, the nice slogans on what to say when he speaks in these interviews because sometimes you just wing it. Right. And uh, one day he was speaking to Southern Crowd, and he wanted something funny to say uh, about a play. So I came to him and said, said something that should have been funny, and he said, you know what, I'm going to do something special for you. How about you say it? So I was like, me? You have me? You know, you know, right. not no uh, extra. So he went to Jeffrey Ronner, uh, and Jeffrey Ronner came to me, and he was like, hey, Spivy. And I did not correct him because it's Spivey. So I was like, hey, it's whatever you want to call me, buddy. <laughs> so he said, hey, we need you to say something on camera. Can you do it? And, you know, with my radio background, I was like, you know what? I think I can do it. And, you know, so I felt confident on saying the lines until six cameras around my face was like, oh, my God. I think I'm going to pee myself. But I <laughs> held it together. And uh, Kyle swung it to me, and he was like, I can't explain that play, and I'm going to let Coach Spivey explain that play. So that's how I was able to keep my name. So that was kind of cool. That's awesome. Did um, I hear some of the, I guess, some of the way the re- rehearsals and how some of the things are filmed there is pretty unique compared to most other, I think, other television shows or, or movies without a lot of doing lines with each other. Is that something that you've noticed? Yeah, yeah. Uh, what I noticed is that the script is, to me personally, the script is very, very loose. Uh, you can change some of the lines that'll fit the situation, uh, and nothing taken away from the script writers. It's just it's real loose. It's like if you think uh, you can say something better that fits that character or fits that moment, you know they'll kind of open up the script uh, for you. So most people get on set, they practice for like five ten minutes, and when we start shooting, uh, it can go a whole t- a totally different way. And Jeffrey Rana, uh the director, he's he's very open like that. He wants that real feel. Uh, he wants that that football atmosphere, um, also that real emotion. Uh, he try to get the best out of you, so it, it's real. It's real loose and it's real lenient uh, to a certain extent. Is that even the same way with uh, on the sidelines, like during the actual football sequences? Mm-hmm. Even on the sidelines, the sidelines, uh, you know, like it's uh, Coach Crowley, uh, Tim Crowley, who's also on the show. He's a Big Twelve referee, and myself, we play uh, football. So you know, they feed off of feed off us. Uh, on what would really say on the sideline. And, you know, it's not make that tackle or get that play. It's more <laughs> football jargon, like, you know, uh, getting your stance, getting a three technique or one technique and stuff like that, that they really want their real feel of football. So, uh, you know, we, we go around, we practice those things, and uh, next thing you know, it comes across real on the show. Well, I know on the episode tonight that's going to be on NBC is the state championship game, and I think it's one of your mm-hmm. one of the most <clears throat> excuse me it's one of the times that you have probably your own on scene time excuse me your own screen time is um, a lot when you have your, your Panther song on the bus on the way to Austin. Is that something that you came up with yourself, or is that something that they pitched to you and you said yes, I'd like to do? Well, the the, the song uh, uh, technically the song's been there since the first season, but this is the. Uh, uh, the third season is more of a breakout where it's a, a, a big moment where I'm doing it, mm-hmm. uh, actually being seen doing it without just being heard in the background. And I got this song from college from uh, one of my fraternity groups, uh, Mugama Delta. I got that from 
those guys, and we used to say it on the bus when we were playing at Prairie View. And so I, I talked to Jeffrey Ron. I was like, man, I got a, a, a great chant uh, for it. And he kept, he said, put it in a hole, put it in a hole. And I told him about it. I said, hey, we were Panthers also. So uh, I, I told him what the chant was, and he fell in love with it. So he's like, you know what, Five, it's, it's about that time for you to, to do it on the show. And tonight is, uh, when you see the show, you can see how awesome it is. And I was very, very proud for that moment. That's awesome. I didn't realize that, that was the one that you brought. You brought yourself to the to the show. Yep, that's I brought it to brought it to the show myself. But uh, like I said, it's a part of the Panthers, so we all we all together now. One one question is Joe McCoy, the guy that plays Joe McCoy, is he more likable in person than he is as the character Joe McCoy? Most definitely, most <laughs> definitely. But after last after last episode, I don't think you want to believe me because he played that character to a T, you know. But He's, he's a real good guy. He's a real down-to-earth guy. And uh, uh, rumor has it that when he did that episode, he apologized to uh, Jeremy. Jeremy uh, for, <laughs> for Yeah, for, for, for getting a little, you know, into the character. But uh, all in all, he's a real nice guy. And, and most of everybody on the, on the cast is so laid back. It's, it's ridiculous. It's not the norm of the uh, typical Hollywood uh, actors, if you know what I mean. Right. These guys, are, these guys if, you know, I live in Texas, and, and most of the cast members aren't from Texas. But when they come down here, they really got into that that southern comfort, that southern hospitality, and the southern way. They just got laid back. They're so chill. You know, most of us play uh, flag football on the weekends and stuff like that. So everybody on the set is awesome. Everybody on the set is very awesome. Which of the actors that actually play football would you think would have the best chance of uh, getting a college scholarship? (laughs) Oh, no doubt, man. Tim Riggins, Taylor Kitsch, man. You know, he's a he was a professional hockey player. And, uh, you know, also I got to give it up for Scott Porter. He's a good receiver. Uh-huh. And uh, and uh, Jesse Plemons, he's, uh, he's, he's a great quarterback. So, really? But uh, Jesse, yeah, Jesse, can, he can throw. He has a rifle. Uh, you know, he's a real good quarterback. But uh, I wouldn't put him at receiver. Uh, <laughs> we had an incident. We had an incident. I might get uh, – beat up when I get back on set, but it was one time we were playing uh, flag football, and uh, he's playing quarterback the whole game, the whole game, and he came out there to receiver by my side, and I was like, uh, no, 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 stay at uh, stay at quarterback. He's like, no, I got it. So he took one step and blew his knee out, and I was like, oh, my God. So they had to rewrite some of the stuff in the script because of that <laughs> incident. Uh, and since and since I'm the the coach on the show, I was held responsible. I was like, "Hey, it wasn't my fault." I told him told him not to. So, but it was all for the games, though. But you know, we got some athletes on the show. That's awesome. Do um, mm-hmm. what what is it that you see is the appeal of Friday Night Lights to to a viewership? Well, coming from the athletic side, I got you from that. The, the way we shoot the football, it's real contact. It's, it's not fake at all. The guy, the stunt guys are wonderful. Uh, and uh, the way we shoot the scenes of the coaches and the office and the real feel of Eric Taylor and the way he comes off to the coaches, his wife, and his family. And now on the uh, emotional side, these actors really get into that. They really get into the emotional side and try to relate to something that they have been through themselves, mm-hmm. if you know what I mean. And uh, that's the appeal. And, you know, most people say, oh, the emotional side for the women and the football is for the guys. And I really, I really don't believe it. I think it's for, for everybody because everybody's been through something uh, either related to the show or related outside the show that really touched them. And I really believe that uh, Friday Night Lights uh, is, is doing that in that show. 
and uh, I'm, I'm really proud to be a part of that. Well, I've tried to tell a lot of my friends and family and just people that I know about Friday Night Lights, and most of them at the front end of things would say, well, you know, it's about football, right? I don't, I'm not a big fan of football. But usually if I've been able to get them to watch, you know, the first couple of episodes of the first season, they're hooked from then out. And so, you know, I think that's the key to being able to get people to realize that it's not a show just about football, but it's a family, it's a town, it's a community that happens to be centered around that's right. a sport. That's right. That, that's, that's, the, that's the thing that, uh, uh, yes, it's about football. Don't get it wrong. That's the, 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 the basic, mm-hmm. uh, that's the backbone of the show. And everybody gets confused with the movie because the movie was strictly football at a, at a certain at a certain extent. But the difference about the TV series is that most of, most of the episodes don't even have football in the episode. If you if you've seen most of them, right? Uh, they they really uh, go deep behind the scenes, like the coach's wife, what her issue is, the daughter, what her issue is. You know, Smash when he was on the show, his family's issue. And stuff that are outside uh, football. Even Buddy Garrity, uh, right. you know D.W. Uh, you know his his character outside of the show and how they're dealing with these emotions of that town, of the football, of their lives in general. So if you know if you're if someone's out there listening and you're new to Friday Night Lights, give the show a chance and look at it, look at it and really feel their emotion. And you might you might not you know might never know you might become a football fan just basically on that. Well, I know we can't give anything away uh, for tonight's episode and then the last episode of Season 3 next weekend, I mean, but we do know that it's been renewed for two more seasons, and so can we hope to expect and to see more of Coach Spivey on the sidelines? Yeah, uh, you, right now it's looking good, and uh, like I said, uh, if anyone out there, you know, go ahead and vote Coach Spivey back on the show because he would love to be on there for a four and five, uh, but it's looking, it looks good right now for me yeah. coming back for a fourth season. Uh and uh, when I get on there, I give you guys my best performance and see if I be on East Dillon or Dillon Panthers. Uh, let's see what happens. Well, that sounds great. Well, I appreciate your time with us. And if there's ever anything we can do for you, just let us know. Oh, thank you. Just keep watching the show. Make sure you tune in tonight. All right. Sounds great, Aaron. Thank you, buddy. Talk to you soon. And again, we appreciate Aaron Spivey Sorrells for being able to, to be a part of the podcast with us here. And I believe that if things go as planned, we should have one more interview with another cast member coming up for next episode here. And uh, that interview should be hopefully happening tomorrow afternoon. I believe that about does it for us here for the podcast this week. Uh, again, as we always say, encourage you to call us at the, our voicemail number. You can you still use the old one or you can use this one at 206 206- Three three nine fifty five thirty one. You can email us at fnlpodcast at gmail.com or as always you can go to the blog at fnlpodcast.com and do a little reading there leave us a feedback leave us a comment there or you can send us a twitter message uh, fnlpodcast is our twitter username so you can make sure you follow us there and, and leave us a, a, a twitter message and we can get those as a part two. We can run through those pretty quickly. So again I'm Blake coming to you from uh, Mississippi. I'm looking forward to the season finale next week. Uh, it's actually going to be a five-month later. So we're a catch-up as we see what's happening. I, I'm assuming it's a May time of year there as uh, school's finishing up, and we'll see kind of how the storylines for the 809 football season school year has, finishes up and what happens as things begin to point to next year. And um, actually, we know now for certain that there will be a season four. 
And so we know that however this episode ends, that there is a next chapter to follow. Appreciate you being with us. We would love to hear how we can make it better. I look forward to having more people being a part of the show. Uh, may even have a co-host and some guest hosts and some new segments coming up pretty soon. And as we say, we got some more interviews hopefully lined up for as well. So until next time, I'm Blake for the Friday Night Lights podcast. Clear eyes, full hearts, can't lose.